0: Nehemiah had his chance. The moment he had spent the last four months preparing for was now in front of him. King Artaxerxes had asked him the question he was waiting for. He was waiting for this question to be asked. What is your request? What is your request? That was the question he was hoping to hear. It was the question he had been preparing, like I said, four months. He'd been preparing four months to answer. What is your request? Nehemiah took a deep breath. And then he prayed. The Bible says between Artaxerxes' question and Nehemiah's answer that Nehemiah prayed. It must have been a quick prayer, of course, a a prayer for help, a a prayer for wisdom, a a prayer for the hand of God to not leave him now. And it was the hand of God that Nehemiah, in the book named after him, keeps giving credit to. It says in many places he saw the hand of God or the hand of God was upon him. He saw God throughout this whole situation. Nehemiah did not want to move forward with this project if God was not behind it. He wanted to see God moving in the circumstances and in the hearts of men, and he wanted to see God moving in the heart of King Artaxerxes. And by asking him that question, it showed that God was moving in the heart of the king. Now remember that Nehemiah is the king's cupbearer. And as such, his job was to taste the king's food before he ate it. Every king in the ancient Near East had a cupbearer. And in the end, even though you could die at any given mealtime, it was quite the coveted spot. Because not only did you eat the king's food, you also got to eat with the king. You got to talk with the king and converse with the king. And so many cupbearers became quite influential you had the ear of the king. You tended to be smart to be able to carry on a conversation, and you were able to carry on a conversation while he ate. And you also tended to be wise, so you did not end up covering topics you weren't supposed to talk about and offend the king. And the other interesting thing is you were supposed to be happy, at least with King Artaxerxes. Think about his hard day. The average king had just finished with a Hard day of beheading people and dealing with treason and people trying to stab you in the back, and who are you going to conquer next? And so, when you sat down to eat, you wanted a pleasant meal where everyone was happy. So, as the cupbearer, you did not show sadness to King Artaxerxes. And so, Nehemiah was always happy, pleasant in the presence of the king. But not today today he risked it all he went into the king sad and downcast he had hidden his sadness for four months and during those four months he fasted during those four months he prayed for the right opportunity to talk to the king and today was that day See, the king, I think, was finally not at a formal banquet. It was actually there in Susa. And one reason we know he was not at a formal banquet is because it says in Nehemiah that he was eating with the queen, which would show he's just relaxing. He's not at some formal dinner. He's just eating an average dinner with his beautiful queen. And Nehemiah thought this is the day. Remember, he's prayed up. Four months of praying, and he's fasted up. Four months, or maybe even longer, of fasting. And and now he had planned out exactly what he was going to need and what he was going to say. And he tried the different ramifications, I'm sure, in his head. If the king says this, if the king asks that. And today was the day. And now was the day to put his plan into action. So he went into the king sad. His countenance fallen. His eyes were red with tears. Now, he wasn't faking it. He was truly sad. He was grief-stricken. Remember, he's grief-stricken. Why? Because his hometown is in a mess. His hometown was Jerusalem, and it was around 445 or 444 B.C. And at this time, Jerusalem was in trouble because the walls around the city were broken down, which meant it was vulnerable to attack by any power around it. Plus, the Jews who had returned, those people, those those exiles who are now returned, were starting to lose their focus, he'd heard. He's hearing them starting to leave the Jewish faith. And particularly, they're starting to leave the worship of Yahweh and they're beginning to meld into the lives of the people around them, and they had begun to worship other gods. The Jews were fading fast in Jerusalem. They were ceasing to be a nation in Jerusalem, and the city could be plundered at any moment. This was a bad time for the Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah wept, and we talked about that in the last podcast, right? Nehemiah was grief-stricken. He was so sad over the status of his people and the worship of their God and the status of the city that he loved. But the other problem for Nehemiah is that he is hundreds and hundreds of miles away roughly 800 to 900 miles away in a town called Susa, the capital of the Babylonian Persian Empire. And what could he do? He was too far away. He was one of the Jews in exile. But he had this position of authority. He was a cupbearer to the mightiest king of the time, and he could use it to help move the heart Of this Persian king to help his people. Could he? Well, I think Nehemiah thought, you know what? I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to use what I can. And I'm going to use my position to influence the king. To help me rebuild Jerusalem. And and to help my people. Well, if he's going to do that. The first step was getting the king to ask. Nehemiah, the question he just asked. And how's he going to do that? How's he going to get him to ask him that question? And that is where Nehemiah walks into the presence of the king and serves him food. Nehemiah took a sip of what the king was about to drink and handed it to the king. But Nehemiah did it with a sad face. He gave that drink to the king, but with a sad face He sat down and ate some of the chicken or goat the king was going to have that day, but with a sad face. He talked about the business of the day, the news of the time, but with a sad, sad face. And King Artaxerxes, prompted, I believe, by God, responded to Nehemiah's sad countenance and said, Why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart, Nehemiah 2 verse 2 to which nehemiah replies may the king live forever why should i not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire nehemiah 2 verse 3 and that is when the king asked the big question what is your request He knew Nehemiah had something on his heart, and he wanted to know what it was. He knew his trusted cupbearer was sad and heartbroken, and he wanted to know what Nehemiah wanted so that he could be cheered up. Now, this could have gone in completely the other direction, right? And King Artaxerxes could have said, How dare you be sad in my presence and ruin my supper with the queen? Off with your head! He could have. Remember, it says in Nehemiah, the hand of God was with Nehemiah. God was moving silently behind the scenes, and he moved in the heart of the king. And so the king asked, what is your request? Essentially, he asked, what do you want? And this is where all those months of planning and preparation came to fruition, because Nehemiah had an answer. He said, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you. Send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah 2 verse 5. I believe Nehemiah had been practicing that reply for many months now. If the king says this, then I'll say that. I will be shortened to the point and I will clearly convey in two short sentences what I need and and, and, and then I'll tell the king how awesome it is that he's even listening to me. And, and then the king asked him how long will all this rebuilding take? When he would leave and when is he going to return again? Nehemiah had an answer. Only this answer would have taken an immense amount of planning and foresight. He had to know, first of all, who would go with him, the direction he would take, the supplies he would need, and so on. Nehemiah knew it would take him, two to four months of travel from Susa to get to Jerusalem. And he knew it would be full of people who did not like the Jews. And they would harass him and possibly kill him. And so Nehemiah asked King Artaxerxes for help. He first of all asked the king to let him take the trip, to let him go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Very specific, right? But he also asked him to give him letters so that he could show the governors of the various provinces that he went through that he, Nehemiah, should be left alone. Don't trouble Nehemiah. Don't harass him, because you've got King Artaxerxes' help. And he also asked for help to get the important material that he would need to rebuild the walls. He asked for cedar wood to be given to him from the king's forest so that he could build and keep on building all of this asking for help, give me letters, give me lumber, let me go back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to help my people there in this major city called Jerusalem. All of this a pagan Persian king agreed to. And so on March 5th, 444 BC, the decree went out from King Artaxerxes that nehemiah could return and so he did nehemiah left with his entourage of people and All his supplies and all the animals he would need to make the trip. And two to three months later, maybe even four months later, they arrived in Jerusalem. And for the next three days, they unloaded all their stuff and got used to their surroundings. They met with the leaders of the exiled people and they met some of the families as well. And the Jews there in Jerusalem, they all welcomed Nehemiah. But you know what's interesting? Nehemiah did not reveal why he had come. I wonder if the Jewish people in Jerusalem thought that Nehemiah was there in some official capacity for King Artaxerxes to find out what was happening. and Is there trouble brewing in Jerusalem? Is this part of my empire okay? I wonder if that's what they thought he was there for. All we know is that Nehemiah said he kept the real reason he was there from the exiles. Now why did he do that? Why did he hide his real reason for being there? I think it's because he did not want to cause an uproar among the people and because he wanted time to do what he did next. And that was to check out the wall. How bad was the wall? How bad was this project going to be? How difficult? So to do that, to keep it all hush-hush, Nehemiah snuck out at night. He went out at night to check the wall around Jerusalem so he would not be seen. He didn't want to be seen by the Jewish people. And he didn't want to be seen by the people who were trying to stop the project. And he knew there'd be nations around Jerusalem who hated the Jews, would want to stop this. And he didn't want to be seen by them. So he went out at night. How big is this project? How difficult is it going to be? Is it going to be easy to rebuild these walls? Or is it going to be harder than I even thought? So here he is. He travels down the wall surrounding Jerusalem, or at least a part of it. Now that wall had various gates in it. When finished, the wall would end up with ten gates. you got to have gates to come into the city and gates to come out. And so there were ten gates through the wall surrounding Jerusalem. Now it says that at night, Nehemiah sneaks out the valley gate, and he goes outside the city walls. Remember, it's night, so he has to probably carry torches with him so he can see them all. He moves forward on his horse, or maybe a donkey, or maybe even a camel. All the Bible says is that he was on an animal. I think it was a horse. He rode out at night, and he went through the valley gate. He went outside the city walls, heading towards a rather disgusting-sounding gate called the Dung Gate. Now, dung is a fancy word for poop. And it was the gate where the smelly poop of all the people and then the animals and the animals sacrificed in the temple worship, all the gross stuff like that was taken through and then chucked into the Kidron Valley. Well, Nehemiah rode past the smelly gate inspecting the wall. And then he tried to get further down the wall, but he got stuck, forcing him to turn around and go back and enter through the valley gate, which he had snuck out at the beginning. Inspection complete. And Nehemiah only saw a part of the wall. But it was clear to Nehemiah that the wall had a lot of repairs needed. It needed a lot of work to make it better. And so he came later that day to the leaders of the Jewish people. And he finally revealed what God had called him to do and why he was here. He probably gathered all the people in front of a portion of the broken down wall and gave this very short speech. Now in this speech, he begins by telling the people the trouble they are in. And then he challenges the people to rebuild the wall. And he ends his short speech by sharing a personal story of how God had been working in the heart of King Artaxerxes. And, and he probably then, not written down here, shared story after story of, of God's hand being upon him and how God was behind this project. Well, After hearing this short speech, this short challenge to rebuild the wall, the people agreed. They say that they will do it. I mean, literally Nehemiah 2 verse 18, they said, let's start rebuilding. And their hands were strengthened to do this good work. Yes, the people agreed. The project was going to begin from asking King Artaxerxes could he go all the way to getting people to agree. There was a lot of hurdles that Nehemiah had to hop over, but the hand of the Lord was with him every step. Hooray! Things are going great. But then, out of the shadows steps three men who are angry and who will do anything they can to stop this project of rebuilding the wall surrounding jerusalem moving forward and you know who these three men were these three enemies of nehemiah and ultimately enemies of god Do you know who these three men were Well, if you come back next week, you can find out more about these men who are going to be a thorn in the side of Nehemiah as he tries to rebuild the wall with the Jewish people and tries to save the Jewish people in their worshiping of Yahweh and their faith and following Yahweh more completely. Nehemiah's got a lot on his hands, and these three men are going to do everything they can to stop it all. So, make sure to come back next week to hear more of the story of Nehemiah. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.